Are You Just Watching is supported by our dearly loved listeners. Special thanks to Tim Martin, Craig Hardy, and Richard French for their monthly support. To help support Are You Just Watching, please go to patreon.com slash are you just watching. Are You Just Watching? Episode 56, Interstellar Part 2. Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm E. Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. And we're coming back to Interstellar, a very long movie with lots to talk about. And we kind of, uh, if you missed episode 55, we kind of dealt with just some general impressions about the movie and talked a little bit about the concept of God as it doesn't exist in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there's a lot of other stuff. I mean, that was like the big, um, what is it, camel or or that was not in the room? The white elephant or the the elephant in the room, yeah. Yeah, the the big white elephant that was missing from the (laughs) room. Um, that we, that, you know, it's like the big whopping, this is a humanist movie, so there can't be a God. Um, but yeah, it, there's still so much more to talk about and, uh, do go back and listen to episode 55. You can go ahead and listen to this one because, um, uh, I think that it really doesn't matter which order. Yeah. It's, we, we keep calling this a humanist movie, but this, this is sort of like the torchbearer of the humanist movement in Hollywood. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this is like the the Scientology, uh, if Scientology, well, Battlefield Earth. Yeah, <laughs> it's a Battlefield Earth of Scientology or humanism. Yeah. <laughs> all survival of the species. I mean, that's yeah. really that's all it was. It's surrounded by the whole concept of survival of the human species, and which you know I thought was you know just kind of jumping in right away on this uh, concept is that. Did you notice that there were no animals in this movie at all? You know, besides, I don't even remember seeing birds. No, not a single animal. Huh. And, and it and it kind of is it, something that I really didn't miss the first time through, which you'd think I would because um, I love animals. So, you know, they didn't even have a farm dog. I mean... Yeah, what farm doesn't have a dog? <laughs> or a cat, you know, to catch mice. Or, uh-huh. um, there was absolutely not a single animal. And I don't know, they didn't try to explain that away or anything. There just was no animals in the movie at all. And the whole automation of the farm, you know, where they were using these big combines with uh, solar powers and, you know, driving themselves, you know, kind of robotic technology. They didn't have any horses, you know, to like pull plows, um, no cattle for milk. Um, and I don't know whether it was the food shortage where they just decided they couldn't afford to feed animals anymore. And so they killed them all. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, there's a pleasant thought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just, uh, a glaring. And the more I thought about it, um, it seemed like, you know, this whole centered around the survival of the species. There's a bit of a symbiotic relationship that we have on this planet with the animals that God, 
uh, created. Uh, yeah. He gave us dominion over them, and they provide our needs in many ways. I mean, there's the sheep for cotton um, and wool. Uh, no, sheep don't provide cotton. That's a plant. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> a sheep for wool and, um, and you know, other things like, you know, fur and, and uh, milk and cheese and all of these things, which, of course, you didn't even see on the, the table because they were eating only corn at the point that we mm-hmm. saw them sitting around the table. Um, yeah, fritters you- and corn on the cob. Yeah, but uh, can you imagine corn on the cob without butter? And um, <laughs> and how do you Salt. make a souffle um, without eggs? Um, <laughs> so oh, that's right. There was a souffle in there. <laughs> yes. I was just uh, thinking, how do they keep it from falling? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there was this big absence of animals, and I was just trying to think of you know even populating new worlds that they went to such a point of how they had the embryos. Their plan B had the embryos of all of the you know of a cross enough cross population in order to prevent inbreeding um, uh, humans, but they didn't mention anything about animals and it's like a, a, an arc devoid of all other life. It's like our only concern was the human species. Ties back to the whole incomplete picture of Mm -hmm. uh, the existence without God. I, I mean, every, this is a puzzle with huge gaping holes in it. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's like a bridge that has a, the two bars that go across the river but no boards that uh provide the support mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's 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 uh it's definitely um just very devoid of of anything but survival um and survival that's very one-sided it's like you're not thinking about anything else on planet earth other than humanity and yeah preserving humanity one of the One of the quotes about that. Stepping out into the universe, we must confront the reality of interstellar travel. We must reach far beyond our own lifespans. We must think not as individuals, but as a species. Yeah, and and, that quote reminded me of... um, It reminded me of Star Trek, believe it or not. Uh, the very classic line from, what was that? The Wrath of Khan, I think mm-hmm. it was, um, yeah. where Spock is dying and, and he makes uh, you know the whole one instead of the many. Um, I'm not even sure I, what the exact quote is. But that's what it made me think of, um, that, you know, that, that giving that you have to sacrifice the one um, in order to save the many. Mm-hmm. But it seemed very... Like like everything else in this movie, it seemed very empty because they're thinking about the value of the individual. The individual has no value. There's no soul to that. And at uh, least with the Christian worldview, at least we have soul. We that we we at least value an individual soul. Oh, be, beyond that, if the, it, they seem to live in a reality without God, which means they live in a reality without and. Uh, with nothing after death. Right. So why even bother? Why even struggle to survive? Exactly. What, what is there? Yeah. It, shouldn't it all be essentially hedonism? <laughs> shouldn't it be about feeling good in the moment? Right. And then when you die, you die. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why does it matter when or where and how you die? Because you, you just got to live and enjoy what life you have. 
And I don't really see anything of that in the movie. The whole eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow would die, which is really the whole crux of humanity or humanism. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it just subtracts that whole soul, that whole emotional uh, value of the individual um, value of life, because we are all uh, image bearers of God that he Mm -hmm. created us in, in his image. And we have value as individuals. And even if you, even if we are forced to lay down our lives in order to save others, there's value in that because we are valuable as individuals. And um, I think uh, John fifteen thirteen always pops into my head when we talk about that kind of, you know, the value of the individual is that greater love has known than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And where is the value in that sacrifice if your friends don't even have any value? I mean, is it just the species that has value? Like the, are, are we just a mindless force of population? Yeah, it's without... Without that value, their the motivation is stripped away. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this is that's like a nightmare scenario to me. Uh, a world without any hope, mm-hmm. without any right. reason. I I would not want to live in such a world. And and it's interesting because they even. Um, the only value that they see is is the love, the familial love, you know, like the father for the son. Your father had to find another way to save the human race from extinction. Plan B, a colony. We don't tell people. Why keep building those because stations? Because he, he knew how hard it would be to get people to work together to save the species instead of themselves. This quote talks about the incredible sacrifice of being willing to destroy um, humanity to save the species and think beyond um, the people that you know and love, your, your own personal family, your own network. Um, and, and be, and, but I think that Christ is the ultimate example of that because he was God and he came to the planet and, and laid down his life so that we would all have, you know, have this eternal love affair with God. He not know? only laid down his life, but took upon himself. That's an, that's an incredible sacrifice. Yeah. Not shedding your hum- humanity in order to um, think like a think beyond um, the individuals that uh, surround you. He's sacrificing millions of individuals for the salvation of the species. That's what he's doing. It, you know they uh, they live in this this vacant world, uh, but they. And I think we mentioned it in the last episode. They certainly seem to believe in love. Mm-hmm. Not only do they believe in love, but they believe in love as an, uh, they don't say it, but as an almost supernatural uh, force that that ties across space and time. Yeah, let's, let's actually play that quote. You're a scientist, Bran. So listen to me when I say that. Love isn't something we invented. It's observable, powerful. It has to mean something. Love has meaning, yes. Social utility, social bonding, child rearing. We love people who have died. Where's the social utility in that? None. Maybe it means something more, something we can't yet understand. Maybe it's some evidence, some artifact of a higher dimension that we can't consciously perceive 
you know, the higher dimension thing that really caught my mind. In fact, when I first wrote down my notes and I, and I selected that entire conversation there, um, the first thing I wrote down on my notes is duh, God, (laughs) (laughs) um, She's basically describing God there, um, this this uh, interdimensional force that is love. It's it's a higher dimension. It's something beyond our comprehension. And the Bible says that God is love. I mean that is that is one of His characteristics. And it, it's just it, <laughs> this is a perfect example of Romans one twenty through twenty one. I mean, mm-hmm. you the, this movie, the entire movie, but even just this conversation here. Is, is a great example of how people are ignoring God when he's, he's right there in front of them. I mean, just screaming, I am God, look at me. And they're looking right past him and refusing to see him. Yeah. It's, you know, they, uh, <clears throat> they make a big deal uh, in the quote that we had played earlier that um, humanity has to essentially be forced to save itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, to lie to people. Yeah, to exactly. People. Right. Because if Yet, you gave them the decisions, they would not do it because they're selfish, which <laughs> we have But that then they imply about. later on that the higher dimensional beings are all about love. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, they're saying the humans are the higher dimensional beings. Are they? That's what they will become. Which... Uh, yeah, that that is... The humans are they, or the humans become they. Right. And uh, they become they with all these problems with uh, having to lie themselves to <laughs> just to seek survival. Yeah. yeah. It's, I just, I don't see. And that becomes a logical fallacy in and of itself because you would have to think of. Um, that we had to survive in order to become, to evolve into fifth dimensional beings that could then look back through time because they're no longer affected by time to change the past so that we survive. That's a logical fallacy. How could we have survived without them changing time so that we survive? But how did we become them if we didn't change time so that it, it's a yeah. it, it's a loop? It's the old self-fulfilling prophecy <laughs> thing. Yeah, it doesn't work. I mean, um, they basically, they saved humanity but they was humanity became they and that doesn't work Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't work how could they have saved themselves without having already saved themselves (laughs) and that doesn't even bring into question is how did we become who we are to begin with which Mm -hmm. i think is a another vast hole in this movie because (laughs) there's um well there's an but yeah, well, evolution, of course, but there's this um, very particular quote I'm going to play here. Murphy's Law, whatever can happen will happen. Accident is the first building block of evolution, but when you're orbiting a black hole, not enough can happen. It, it sucks in asteroids and comets, other events which would otherwise reach you. What I think is so interesting that they threw this in here is... It, they make accident into the first building block of evolution. So therefore, all of the other things are already there. And suddenly the the building block is an accident suddenly makes it all work. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a huge assumption there because there has to be an orderly universe. Okay. There has to be all of the uh, ingredients for life 
Um, and actually, for evolution to occur according to um, the scientific principle of evolution, they don't address I what is it abiogenesis, um, where life comes from. Yeah. Um, and so life already has to exist before evolution can occur. So the building she's talking about the building block that would create organics in life in a watery world uh, in this particular quote. But she's making a ton of assumptions that all of the other things that are necessary are already there. And where did those come from? It's a big hole in the evolutionary scientific principle that says that it all happens by accident. And and not just in this movie, but in uh, the evolutionary. Yeah. 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 And, And that's why, I mean, it's a hole in this movie because that is the assumption of of evolutionists and humanists that it all happened by accident. You know, there was this big bang, everything sorted itself out into orderly existence and all of the chemicals for life, life just happened to be in the right place at the right time to be kickstarted by some um, accident. And, Mm -hmm. and it's just one accident on top of another accident on top of another accident that starts life. And then evolution takes over, which is an accidents and all of it somehow or another creates order out of chaos. And I have never once seen an accident create order. It always creates chaos. Hmm. So accidents are destructive, not creative forces. So how do you start creating using the destructive force? No way that I know of. (laughs) (laughs) So I just, you know, to me, in a Lego movie. Yeah. Well, this is, this is an indication to me. This, this movie was set up to be, uh, almost an opus to human human and evolutionary thought humanistic mm-hmm. and evolutionary thought but it all it does all it succeeds in doing is showing how bankrupt um these philosophies are these worldviews because they've got so many massive holes in them that they don't hold up logically yeah. and <laughs> of course i'm getting on a soapbox here because i <laughs> I, I really am anti-evolution but um i i just think that her whole point there actually disproves the whole concept um, that, you know, that you need accidents in order to start life and this black hole somehow sucking up all of the accidents. So this world is just water and devoid of life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They make it, they make it clear that they believe that the earth is someplace uh, completely special, completely different than anything that they'll find uh, out there. And, you know, that's kind of interesting um, in that we know that um, the uh, what little science, I mean, it's, the universe is massive and it's really hard for us to see everything in it um, from within, um, you know, our small solar system. What probes we've sent out really haven't gotten that far away from Earth. And um, what we know about the universe is pretty much what we've documented with like Hubble telescope and that kind of things. And um, but what we have seen shows us that our solar system is very unique. Um, I think um, I I follow several uh, astronomers and astrophysicists um, that have creation bents, and uh, quite a few of them have pointed out that uh, of the solar systems that we've detected planets in, not a single one of them has the planet that is the right size and the right uh, shape and the right distance from their suns to to be Earth. Hmm. So even if we went out looking for another world to live in, um, almost all of the solar systems that we've detected planets on have gas giants close to the sun in the position where Earth is in our solar system. And we can't live on gas giants. 
We can't live on Jupiter's. I was under the impression that they had discovered uh, a number of uh, rocky planets in habitable zones. Not, not that I've ever heard of. All of the, all of the ones that I have seen documented, they were all hot Jupiters, and by hot Jupiters, that means ga- big, big, big gas, gassy planets that were close to the um, suns. And and you have to remember, we haven't visited any of these planets. The only right. way that we know that planets exist is based on the wobble of the stars caused by the the pull of the planet as it goes around the the sun. Uh, the star, and also um, those few solar systems that are on edge to us where we actually see the planet cross the face of the star um, in, when we look at the star. At certain periods of time, we can actually see the, the sun or the star darken as the planet um, crosses its face. And there's actually very few solar systems um, that are on edge to us, so that's um, kind of difficult to see. Um, and then uh, the other the other way we detect it obviously is um, the ones that are you know not on edge um, is to detect the wobble in the sun based right. on and um, but all of the ones I, I I'd have to go and research that and put it in the show notes because I remember um, seeing some articles on it um, the vast majority of the solar systems that we've documented with planets have hot Jupiters yes that I believe I I believe that is correct. That it is the vast majority uh, of, uh, if not vast all. <laughs> majority of, of systems are uh, completely useless to us, or right. at least uh, as far as habitation goes. Um, but uh, there's systems like Gliese and uh, and Kepler that have uh, a number of planets in them that are thought to be superterran or subterran. Um, and in the correct zone. Hmm. Um, I've not heard of any, so uh, it's, you're I'll, obviously I'll provide... looking at, yeah, you're looking at research I've not seen because, yeah. uh, all of the data that I have seen on it have said that, uh, that what few planets we found were hot Jupiters in the correct zone. They were all gas giants. So, yeah. um, so it'd be, it, it, it'll be an interesting discussion, but needless to say, we have not found any earths and, uh, Earth is extremely special. It, I think it it's rather well documented how special <laughs> we were just off of our distance from the sun, um, give or take, just really not that much. Um, we would be either too hot or too cold to support life. Yeah, it, it's a matter of like one or two degrees, isn't it? Of temperature difference. Yeah. Um, and then the tilt of our planet is necessary, the tilt on our axis. If if you didn't have the tilt in our axis, um, we couldn't have seasons. And the seasons keep the planet from getting too hot or too cold in one region. It's like the, the moon, which doesn't rotate, um, has a hot zone and a cold zone. Uh, and some of the other planets do that, too, where they don't. Mm-hmm. They keep one face facing the, the sun at all times. And Tidally so, locked. Yeah, the tidally locked. Yeah. Um, and so the rotation of the planet on an axis is very important. Um, the the contents of gases in our atmosphere are important. Um, the, the fact that we yeah the makeup of, the makeup of the gases are very important. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it's it's just scientifically we just know that our Earth is special, and they deal with that a lot in this movie. Driven by the unshakable faith, the Earth is ours. Well, not just ours, no. But it is our own. 
This world's a treasure, Donald. It's been telling us to leave for a while now. Perfect planet. We are not going to find another one like her. No, it's not like looking for a new condo. The human race is going to be adrift. Desperate for a rock it can cling to while it catches its breath. We need to find that rock. So, yeah, I think it's very well established, having heard those quotes, that they are, even though they're looking for another planet uh, that we can live on, they're kind of going on the search kind of already in doubt that they're going to find something perfect. It's the whole idea that um, when you tie this back to uh, the blight happening and Mm -hmm. uh, creation – or they wouldn't think of it as creation. Um, the ecosystem turning against uh, the inhabitants of the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, that's just, it's uh, hogwash to me uh, because I think the, I think the Bible is, is pretty clear that creation struggles with the sinful state mm-hmm. just like, humanity does right uh romans eight twenty eight 28 uh, says for we know that the whole of creation has been groaning together in the in the pains of childbirth mm-hmm. until now right and um we're cursed we're all cursed with sin it's not just yeah. hum- it's not just um the products of of adam and eve it's all of creation i mean god created or or God allowed the the thorns and the thistles to take over um, cancer and our and all of these horrible things that have struck humanity. I think it was just almost like God withdrawing just a teensy bit of His supportive power in His creation, so that it kind of starts to fall apart. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's interesting to see how it's just a little bit. It's not entirely. I mean, because we're, we're we still have all of this this strange order to existence all all the right down to the atomic level um that is just clockwork clockwork order that speaks of god i think it's i always thought of it like um what is it that builds up in your arteries and veins plaque mm-hmm, cholesterol uh, plaque, <laughs> uh, yeah cholesterol build up where you know in in eden everything worked perfectly because we were uh, one with God and we were in uh, proper communion. And then we ate our first piece of bacon <laughs> and the cholesterol starts seeping in. First piece of and, bacon. And and then we get a Twinkie and <laughs> it, just, it just goes downhill from there. And then we get the wrong kind of fat in our system. <laughs> the trans fats. Yeah. Good, good thing the government's there to protect us from it. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's this, like the creep of, of, uh, the curse. But at the same time, like you said, the creation struggles against it. I, I saw some, some scientific research that was showing how even the impact of man, you know, with the whole climate change, um, where they're saying that we're slowly destroying the planet. But when they study it, the, the impact is actually minimal. It's like the, like the atmosphere and the earth kind of like put this like cysted, protection around the worst pollutions and just kind of hold them in place so -hmm. they don't spread and and it's interesting that you can go just from a city where they're heavily polluted you can just go a little ways out um, a certain distance away from the city and the air is clean because and the ground is clean because the earth is capable of recovering from that 
And now I I I happen to disagree with you here. I I personally believe that there is a uh, mankind. It, there's an impact of mankind on on the environment, uh, and it ties back to how interconnected everything is. The the perfect uh, running, uh, and I I think that pollution in Beijing impacts uh the growth cycles in Kansas uh but in just such small ways that it builds up over time and it can also decrease over time because what they don't take into account is that the earth can correct that on its own it doesn't need us to fix it um and i and i think that god created a, a world that is able to recover and granted, we don't want to pollute our environment. I'm not by any means saying that we can just do whatever we want and, and, right. the, and the earth will heal and that's okay. Um, but what I'm saying is is that the earth can heal. And by saying that, that we have to like make drastic measures in order to keep the earth from being completely destroyed, I think we oh, can yeah. make reasonable, um, reasonable corrections at, at a pace that will um, fit with economies and what and you know standards of living and that kind of thing Um, definitely the wonders of creation are nowhere even close to all being known (laughs) yeah and the and the climate has made corrections in the past Mm -hmm. certainly but like like you were leading to it we're still called to be proper stewards of Mm -hmm. this planet right and I don't think that you will ever meet anybody who, even as they call us the the climate change deniers, um, I don't think you'll meet any of us who aren't who are ever claiming that we should just throw the planet away, that we shouldn't care. My um, uncle does. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, but I, I think he might be unusual in that respect. Yeah, um, none of us are saying, "Oh, let's just pollute the earth." Um, that's um, what was it the in the movie Independence Day where um, the the, the environment conscious guy when he realizes the aliens are, are going to win basically he, he uh he yeah, says let's cigars start. wasn't it yeah he's like let's just start polluting the earth because why did we try to save it for anyway um but no i don't i don't think that we should disregard that god told us to have dominion and that that dominion didn't mean destroy that dominion means take care of be caretakers mm-hmm. be um um live uh, in, in dominion over it, but take care of it. Um, dominion doesn't right. mean it, dominion is not a bad word. <laughs> I think a lot of people try to turn domination. Uh, it, it, they turn dominion into domination, and that's not what it is. Um, but yeah, I think that um, that there's definitely some different views there. But above all, um, it is a perfect planet. God created it perfect for humanity, and. and- it, we have to remember it's not ours it's god's it's god's yeah um he just gave us um the caretaking of it so um leading into that the interesting of them going on to other worlds what did you think of miller's planet the all water planet i thought it looked great on camera <laughs> what about um, those giant waves <laughs> I, I I do have to wonder how they didn't, you know, I don't know, see them from orbit. I wondered about that because they're like massive waves. It's like, um, couldn't you tell from orbit that the planet was all water and that there were waves? I mean, that kind of thing can be seen from 
planets from the orbit. Of course, they were they approached the planet rather quickly. You have uh, to... And there was the time dilation that they discussed, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was a very clever way to uh, to really raise the stakes for mm-hmm. Coop as far as any hope of getting back to his family. Right. Um, and uh, I always love the the whole conundrum of how relativity affects mm-hmm. um there's Time. this uh yeah it, mm-hmm. joe hadelman wrote uh this book called the forever war mm-hmm. which i i really enjoyed and the main character is a uh i don't think he's an indentured soldier uh, i think he's a volunteer but he's sent off uh at uh near the speed of light and when he comes back from wherever it is that he's fought the enemy um you know it, a sufficient a much very different amount of time has passed on earth mm-hmm. as compared to the time he's experienced at uh significant percentages of the speed of light and Hadelman uh did that very well in that book Mm-hmm. Well, it's something that we've played with in a lot of books, and I think that they spent a lot of time on it in this movie. The whole, you know, tell him telling his daughter that he would be um, her age at, when he returned, um, and it turned out being um, vastly younger than her when he finally yeah. got back. Um, but yeah, it's um, it, it, it was an interesting play on time, and I think that that's you know I mentioned in our first episode when we were talking about the score about the clock ticking. Um, when when you were on Miller's planet, almost the the entire underlying um, theme of music that's going on has that that clock ticking uh, rhythm to it to just kind of remind us, hey, time is passing here, and and you're going to have to 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 do something. And mm-hmm. but the thing that bothered me about the waves, I, I was thinking about it. Um, this planet is supposed to be near a black hole, which. If it's orbiting a black hole, it wouldn't really have a sun. So it would be a dark planet because a black hole is black. It doesn't let any light. Light can't ex- right, escape right. the gravity well. So they showed them being there on in daylight. Um, and the waves were probably what? like an, it, They were on there. They were seeing one recede. And the next one was already coming. They were probably. And, and they were easily hundreds of feet high. Right. Um, that, that they were too quick. I think um, there would be the there would be one massive wave that would always be facing the gravity pull of the sun because they didn't mention any kind of because most lunar tides are caused by tides are caused by lunar the the closeness mm-hmm. of the uh, the pull of the moon if they didn't have any moons then the only pull would be the gravity gravitation of the of the black hole yeah but waves uh, on terrestrial oceans uh waves are contributed to as much by uh wind as anything else aren't they well these were not normal waves these were tidal waves so they would have oh yeah they would have been (laughs) there's that tidal word (laughs) yeah these these were tidal waves so they would have been um pulled by gravity which is what pulls our tides and they would always the the most amount of water on the planet would always be facing the sun or the at this case the black hole. There shouldn't have been any light on that planet because where would the light come from? <laughs> yeah, that um, that I did. I never even thought of that. Uh, and I've been stuck on it since you said it. 
And, and that goes for the other planet too. Um, the the one um, where man was, Doctor Man, um, mm-hmm. that was also orbiting the black hole, which meant uh, that one was further out though, because they didn't talk about the time dilation, right? Right, but at the same time, if the black hole is what it's orbiting, that means it doesn't have a sun. And it was, and he was ha- talking about the long days and the long nights. It was oh like, yeah, yeah. Um, what was it? Seventy-two hour days and seventy-two hour nights, or something like that. Um, so they must have had a star outside, but then what would they be orbiting? Right. If they orbit the black hole, then there must be years without. <laughs> it makes no sense to me because yeah. they don't even they don't even address the fact that a black hole the light cannot escape. Um, the gravity well, that's why it's called a black hole. So there would be no light. It's. I really wish that there were like a program where they had put together a a uh, simulation of what these, this system looks like. <laughs> Something well, to visualize it. You can visualize it, yeah. Um, and, and then uh, man's planet had frozen water. Or frozen ammonia. They didn't actually call it water. It would have probably been ammonia because he said that was... Yeah. Dominant uh, chemical in the. Yeah. And, and the, he claimed that down at the surface it. Uh, there were organics, but that was a lie. Yep. There was no surface, it turns out. Mm-hmm. It was all frozen clouds. <laughs> Lovely. Man was such a winner of a person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and he's he, the best of us. Yes. He was the best of us and he was a liar and a coward. So. um <sighs> Yeah, um, but they they present water as the source of life. Um, when they first are going to Miller's planet, that's kind of there was there was a couple of short quotes. I won't bother playing them, but there was um, it's water um, and organics. That's Miller's planet, and it's just water, the stuff of life. Um, I just found it interesting that water by itself is just water. Mm. <laughs> um, that's all you saw on Miller's planet. It was just water. That was it, and. Um, the water doesn't the presence of water doesn't necessarily mean anything even though you know, the evolutionary principle says that evolution that water is like the beginning but at the same time that the idea of of uh, biogenesis the beginning of of life requires a chemical soup that is somehow jump started to create amino acids and yeah water isn't present there so i don't know why they think that water's the stuff of life you know uh, one uh, quick tangent as they were doing as we're watching the scene on miller's planet mm-hmm. one thing that i kept thinking of is why aren't they tripping over anything <laughs> and why and they're just standing like barely knee deep in water yeah it, 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 yeah it's like shin come. deep yeah. and it's a perfectly smooth surface underneath this this water until they start pulling out the the stuff that's the remains of the ship, the other right. ship, right? They had just somehow just landed, and she had just died. Well, yeah, th- that was the whole time dilation trick again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <sighs> that that whole thing was very oh, uh, weird. But I I found it convenient how the signal had gotten trapped and was broadcasting continuously outside of the planet instead <laughs> of actually being slowed down. And uh-huh. they figure out that the time dilation figured out. Oh, it's sorry. Yeah, yeah. How could you're right? Because how could it have broadcasted that many times that they had heard a continuous signal when it had only just landed? Relatively, yep. it probably only got off a cup, maybe a couple beeps by the time they landed. 
in so the they dialogue, would've... they made some excuse about it getting trapped and just echoing. Uh-huh. But that that just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> hey, we're trying to make sense of a movie that doesn't make Good any point. sense. Good point. Good <laughs> point. It's completely illogical the more you look at it. That, that's the sad thing about this movie is that it is so beautifully put together. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and, it, and it has that scientific feel to it that makes you just want to believe everything they're telling you. But when you when you turn that critical eye to it, the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. And well, <laughs> this is this is Nolan, Christopher Nolan, right? These, this is the Nolan brothers. Didn't they also do um, Inception? Yes. Yes, they did. Because the, this had a lot of the same feel mm-hmm. cinematically as Inception. Right. And uh had great uh, both of these have great storytelling mm-hmm. but <laughs> it falls apart under close examination yeah yeah they're they're big thoughts um and and i think that they're big fantasies it's like somebody yeah. somebody has just played with the whole idea in their head and it just came out very fantastical mm-hmm. um but you know we were talking about um, time in relation to Miller's planet. And one of the last things that I wanted to talk about in this movie was our place in time, because that, that whole concept of, of where we are in time is, is driven, drives a quite a bit of the dialogue and the, um, the concepts and the interrelations in this movie. One of the quotes that caught my, caught my ear <laughs> when we, when I, when I watched the movie the second time was this one. After you kids came along, your mom, she said something to me I never quite understood. She said, now, we're just here to be memories for our kids. That one just seemed out of the blue to me because he's actually talking about um, something his wife told him when they had their first child. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's interesting to me that when you think about being remembered, that to them, that's their their eternity. Uh, yeah. To a humanist, that's your eternity, is, is those who remember you when you're gone. Um, live on in the memories of others. Right. We live on in the memories. And as long as people remember us in good ways, then we still live somehow uh, in their lives. Um, that's eternity in a humanist. And, so, and to be forgotten is hell, I guess. <laughs> Not that you're going to care because when – How would you know? Yeah, when you're dead, you're dead. So what does it matter? Yeah. Um, it, it's an interesting thought and I I kind of I, – I jotted it down because it, it's one instance where they're talking about time. It's not actually said time, but it's you know what happens to us as time goes on. Um, we become memories for our kids. Um, and then th- this other quote – Time is relative, okay? It, it can stretch and it can squeeze, but it can't run backwards. It just can't, right? The only thing that can move across dimensions like time is gravity. I thought that was an interesting, um, one of the ways that we characterize God is that he's the creator of time, which means he exists outside of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, with in a godless movie like this, um, time becomes the standard by which everything is is really measured um the the lives of of the people's on, left on earth who are living entire um lives in the time that um that cooper and brand are on this planet yeah. <laughs> for an hour um and and it's it's a situation where um you 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 feel that loss of time and yet you don't feel the loss of time because Somehow or another, Cooper survives what's unsurvivable, 
he he falls into a black hole. Black somehow. hole, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Spaghettification. <laughs> uh, and and he returns back to our solar system through the wormhole somehow on the other side of the black hole. Well, they brought him, didn't they? Well, yeah, I guess. Um, uh, that was the implication that I got was that he was delivered yeah. there by them. Just before his oxygen runs out. Not sure why. Yeah. Because he had already fulfilled his purpose. Yeah. I mean, what, what existence, does, what what need did he have to go back? I mean, why would they need to return him? Because the, the whole thing is about the um, survival of the species and he already fixed that. So mm-hmm. why does he need to live? You're right. There's no logical conclusion to that. I, I wonder if it was a half-hearted attempt to tie it back into... Brand's entire speech about love. Mm-hmm. Uh, that love brought, came, and then he even said to Tars at the end, "Love brought us here." Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think that was very well done, though. <laughs> the whole end of the movie wasn't well done. Yeah, <laughs> it makes me wonder. There was a movie. Did you ever see the movie uh, Abyss? Did you ever see the movie The Abyss? The Abyss. Uh, that's a underwater one, right? Yeah. It's a very yeah. I vaguely I, I remember a scene with a wedding ring getting caught in a door. <laughs> um, the interesting thing about that movie, and this is a complete aside, um, is that when they brought the feature out, it had a different ending than the director's uh, edition. So when they came out with the longer movie that was the director's cut, um, it had mm-hmm. a completely different ending. And so those who saw only the theatrical release have a completely different view of the movie than those who saw the director's edition. And the the reason is, is that Abyss, the Abyss has a very Disney-ish, everything comes out right in the end ending. And a lot of people hated it because they said this whole movie, the way it's put together, it makes no sense with this happy, the aliens save us in the end and everything's happy, you know. And yeah, but if you watch the extended version of it and the whole, there's a whole like 30 minutes that was cut out of the end of the movie that made the ending work. Mm. And I can't help but wonder if Interstellar is one of those kinds of movies where the director had a vision and the movie was already horribly long. Yeah, but what, it was like two, two and a half hours. It was hours. longer than that. It was two hours and 48 minutes. Two. Um, and that's from, you know, from the, the icons at the beginning without, all the way without the previews. Yeah. yeah. Uh, icons at the beginning of the movie, all the way to the end of the credits. It's an hour and uh, two hours and 48 minutes. So it's a very long movie. Um, yes, I it help, was. Can't help but wonder if there's something that was cut out of that movie that would make the end uh. make more sense because the abyss did it. I mean, those who have seen the director's cut of The Abyss love the movie, even though it's very mm-hmm. long. But if you've only seen the theatrical release, the movie was a big flop. And because you of know, I, I actually, I've got the the Blu-ray pack of Interstellar, and it just occurred to me they don't have deleted scenes on any on the bonus disc or anything. Huh. Well, it's such a long movie; it probably took up all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, going back to our place and time, the, one of the other things that was said um, was, you know, that the old Dr. Brand, when he was when he was getting very old, he's like, I'm not afraid of death. I'm an old physicist. I'm afraid of time. And I thought that was an interesting concept that it, as being a physicist, um, that it wasn't the concern about death. It was 
the the pull of time that concerned him mm. um that that probably is just because of physics i mean uh, i i actually know an astrophysicist and and hear him talk about relativity and time and and gravity and all that kind of stuff it it time turns into a variable and death in a way is also a variable at least to those of us who believe in an afterlife death is yeah. is yeah. is just something you pass through um and and i think that in a, in a way, that's what he was claiming, that, you know, time is what you pass through, and that's something to fear. And, you know, when he said this, this was, bef- this was before his deathbed confession. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that he was just saying, I'm afraid of time because I, out of it. <laughs> I, I might not solve this equation before – uh, before I die, mm-hmm. but then you find out that he never that he'd already solved the equation that he didn't see. Yeah, an answer. before they even sent the people off the mm-hmm. off to the wormhole. Yeah, even Doctor Mann knew that he'd already solved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was kind of an interesting twist that that uh, he knew all along that he didn't have the answer, and he was willing to lie to everybody. I I thought it was a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit of a stretch that the only way to get the missing data, the solution was from inside uh, involved, the black hole. <laughs> yeah, transmitting data from inside the black hole. How would you even <sighs> well, know? Well, that thing that, and you know, the weird thing about that is, is that um, that's information that we will never have on this side of eternity. I mean, it might be something we can play around with when we're with God in eternity. It's like, what is a black That'll hole? That'll be fun. Of, you know? Yeah. Um, hey, hey God, can yeah, I have my own system to play with? Um, they, they kind I of want set, a black hole. They, they set this, um, the answer as unattainable basically in this movie is like the answer, but then they um, obtain it. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> yeah. And, and we've already kind of dealt with the concept of they, the, one of the last lines in the movie is no parent should have to watch their child die. What did you, um oh it's i <clears throat> it is a true statement yes it is a true statement yeah um and even in the interesting juxtaposition that it is in this movie in which she's an old woman dying on after a very productive life and her father comes back a young man to say goodbye to her and she's like leave leave you don't need to see me die um, kind of a diff- puts a different twist on that, but at the same time, yeah. it's still true. It's, I don't know. It's, I I guess I have difficulty accepting that she would not be a total stranger to him after all of those years. Uh, yeah, it, it had to have been seven, eight decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said that she had been in that they had been sleeping her for. Oh yeah, that's right. To to get out to the to get out to the uh, the station, mm-hmm. right? Cooper Station. It was nice that you named it after me. <laughs> I I like that line. Yeah, and they were like, uh, actually, we didn't. So that that's pretty much all that I had to talk about in this movie. I thought maybe we'd get another third episode, and there were some other little things that we could talk about. I know that um, one of the one of the uh, quotes that caught my eye was you told me to keep driving. Well, like I said, will be the answer to the old, if I asked you to drive off a cliff scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, you're right. This, this, this movie just has so much to talk about. Uh, maybe, 
if we can encourage our viewers to uh, jump into the discussion, mm-hmm. we can yeah. do a revisit. Yeah, yeah, maybe with uh, some feedback. On. Yeah, if people yeah. could give us some feedback, maybe we could do a that revisit. That would be great. Yeah, just like a little feedback episode to touch on some of the little stuff and even some of the big stuff if people wanted to comment. Um, there's so much in this movie that we could talk about and a lot of one-liners that could just be pulled out of uh, mm. and talked about um, that really had no real context in the movie, but they were worth you know stretching out and talking about a little bit more. Um, and they, yeah. every single one of those one liner or ninety percent of those one liners feed into the humanist, mm-hmm. humanist centric philosophy that that it acts as the foundation for this entire story. Right, right. Well, I think um, we probably should wrap this up. But then once again, you can um, comment on the show notes. This one is are you just watching dot com slash fifty six. All of the standard ways to communicate um, are you can get to from our show notes. So just go ahead and go to the show notes to get to those. Um, do visit us on Facebook. Let's start a discussion. If you guys want to um, call us and, and leave us feedback that we can use in a future episode, we love love to have that. Um, you can do that either from our Facebook page or from our show notes, um, which again are are you just watching dot com slash fifty six. Like. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. Um, All of those methods um, are available, and we would love to hear from you. And don't forget to support our podcast um, through Patreon. Please. Um, Please. We are actually halfway to our goal um, of $40 a month, and that is a good milestone to hit. But we still need about $20 more a month. uh, to to see our our goal and like like I've said before, this is not so Tim and I can make a living off of it. We, are, <laughs> we neither of us will be taking a salary um, or paying ourselves. Uh, this is just to cover the costs of the production of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And if you want to continue to um, get these episodes and hear us make these discussions, hear us have these <laughs> discussions, um, please. Uh, consider giving us just a few dollars a month um, to keep that, keep us on the air. Um, that's all we want. We're not asking to become rich. Of this. And, and, you know, we don't have to discuss the movies either. I mean, if, if there's something they would like for us to do differently. Uh, mm-hmm. We'd love to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that we could even occasionally do a TV show. Um, I know that uh, I'm currently listening or currently <laughs> catching up and watching the TV show Extant on um, Amazon Prime. Ah, Hail Berry. And, uh, yeah, Halle Berry. Um, she, there is a ton of stuff in that TV show we could talk <laughs> about. Um, I don't know whether it's worth it or not. But, yeah, we'd love suggestions if people have uh, even just a single episode of a TV show they'd like us to talk about. Please do suggest it. Um, we we are open to suggestions. We won't guarantee we'll do it. Um, some of it uh, depends on availability, whether we can get our hands on it and both be able to watch mm-hmm. it and, and discuss it. But yeah, we are open to suggestions. So please uh, become active on Facebook. Let let us know you're out there and and let's you know uh, hear from you. I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and and there there is so much more to discuss. Yeah. So yeah. Um, definitely. Uh, give us more if you have more and uh, thank you so much for listening uh, to Are You Just Watching? We appreciate you so much.
and don't just watch. Are You Just Watching is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Our opening vocal talent was thanks to Mariah. The theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis. For more great podcasts like this one, visit the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx. 